0: Hallelujah. We are dealing with the whole armor of God The whole armor of God and now if you know Ephesians 6. Is that okay? Is that okay? Okay, so let's quickly look at Ephesians 6 and we're going to be reading from verse 10 Ephesians 6 reading from verse 10 and the Bible says Against spiritual wickedness in high places, Amen. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins get about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shall with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, take the shield of faith, where we shall be able to quench all the fiery doubts of the enemy, or the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Hallelujah. Praying always, with all prayer and supplication, in spirit, or in the spirit, and watching there unto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Hallelujah. Uh, it's a scripture that you know very well. And uh, as we're going to go on, you find that one basic thing is very obvious. Anytime we read the scripture by reason of what we've been taught and what we know. And to a large degree, fine, there is nothing wrong with what we've already understood. But... We need to again diligently study the scriptures to find out precisely what Paul was saying. Anytime we look at this scripture, commonly, like I know in the church, it's a call to fight what you call principalities and powers in the heavenly places. By implication, forces of darkness and all of that. Hallelujah. So I'm going to be taking my time to deal with this from each verse so that God helping us will receive some understanding as to what Paul had in mind and what he intended us to do in relation to and with the armor of God. Hallelujah. So if you look at the scripture, it clearly states that we are in a warfare. Is that Okay. But we need to define what this warfare is all about. There is a need to understand what this warfare is all about. Who is the supposed enemy that we are fighting against? There is a need to identify the enemy in this battle. Amen? If that is not done, we can miss our arrows. We can miss our targets. We can just be doing this warfare without really knowing who we are fighting. Now, that is that it doesn't make sense if you are going to go to a battle and you don't truly know exactly the enemy that you are going for. Hallelujah. You do not only know the enemy, you must know the location of your enemy. Amen. You must know the location of your enemy. You must be very precise who you are targeting. You know. We have this story there in the book of the 2nd Kings wherein uh, Jehoshaphat was almost to be killed in place of Ahab. Remember that? The enemy they were after was Ahab. But because Jehoshaphat went with him, they mistook Jehoshaphat for Ahab. Only God delivered him. So what I'm trying to say, those who are looking for Ahab, Ahab was the target. Ahab was the enemy as it were. Is that okay? So, you can't go to battle without first identifying who your enemy is. You should be able to know. And then, you do not only know who your enemy is, thank you, Father. You should be able to know the strength of your enemy. Because the Lord said, who goes into thinking of building a house without counting the cost of building? Or going to a war without first determining the strength of your neighbor's, I mean, your enemy's uh, army? whether the one you have will be able to withstand. So some of the things you need to do before going to a warfare, is to find out not just the location of your enemy, the strength of your enemy, the army of your enemy, you need to find all of these. And by the time you know them, you determine whether the ones you have are sufficient for you go into that battle so if we say we have a warfare going on then let us try to identify who this enemy is what are the tools of this enemy and then we begin to think of what we have to fight the enemy because what is given to us our tools our equipment but what are the equipments of the enemy how do we determine that the equipment we have is sufficient to withhold or withstand the enemy's equipment I'm making a point here so we need understand it so that's the first thing we're going to be dealing with today uh as we progress we will go into all of those armor one after the other what they are meant to do and so on and so forth but in this particular introductory part of this study i want us to see if we're going to be able to locate the very tools of the enemy already we seem to know our own weapons which we use which have to do with the whole armor of god is that okay And if he said the whole armor of God, it means God has not provided any other armor for you. Help me, Lord. He said the whole armor. That means there is nothing left. Of all that you need to have to do battle, he has given to you. So, by implication, if you fail, it's either because you are unable to use one of those weapons he gave to you. Does that make sense? Because he said the whole armor. I'm I'm saying there is nothing left that God, it's really finished, people. It is really, really finished. Praise the living God. Okay, now. Let's look at the book of uh, Numbers again, chapter 4. We read this a few weeks ago, but I think there's a need for us to look at it. Numbers chapter 4, I'm going to look at verse 22 and 23. Numbers 4, 22 and 23. Praise the Lord. It says, Take also the sum of the sons of Gershon. When you say take this sum, it means get a census of the sons of Gershon throughout the houses of their fathers by their families. From 30 years old and upward until 50 years old shall they number them. All that enter into perform the service, to do the work in the tabernacle of the congregation. And uh, I made it to understand last week or so, uh, take the numbers and precisely you find that those who go to war in Israel, they definitely have to be 30 years and above. 30, between 30 and 50. It means when you're getting to 60, you go going to retirement. I'm supposing, I don't know. But that's what the Bible says, 30, 60. I mean, 30, 50. Uh, and that shows also, precisely, I was trying to make you understand why Jesus had to wait 30 years old, because he was a Levite, in that sense. Are you there? Now, he couldn't go to war until he was 30 years old. So he has to go oh, yeah. And that tells you the warfare we're into right now, and the type of warfare Jesus entered into. What it. Jesus enlisted into the army when he was 30. By implication now. Because you don't enlist anybody below 30 years, as a Levite, into the work of the ministry. And if you understand what we're going to say now here, that the word perform means warfare, it means Jesus get enlisted into the army when he was 30 years old. That I, that makes sense. Okay, now that I will begin to tell you what kind of warfare we in, because he also was engaged in a warfare. Who was his enemy, and what are the tools that he used? Praise the Lord. <laughs> okay, now you are there with me in Numbers four, is it? Okay. So verse twenty-three is very important. Say for thirty years old and above, or upward fifty years old. Shall thou number them all that enter in to perform the service to do the work in the tabernacle of the congregation? Now we are to, uh, made to understand that the services of the Levitical priesthood is that of a warfare. From verse 23, you see the word perform. The word perform is suburb, which means to amass or to mass an army or servant, assembly, fight, perform, muster, wait upon, war. Other translations say warfare. Is that okay? Good. So the Levitical priesthood were engaged in the warfare. Now you see, the type of warfare that they were engaging was completely different from the warfare that the other people were engaging. Now, for instance, Joshua engaged in the warfare. That the warfare of Joshua type, which I would like to call political warfare, to conquer nations and enter into territories, was completely different from the Levitical warfare that they, they engaged in in the tabernacle. Now, you see, without the Levitical warfare, very definite, the political warfare campaign of Israel can never succeed. Are you there with me? Because it takes the ark to empower people and to get a victory. So, the, the Levitical warfare was much more paramount if Israel was to advance politically. On the front line. The strength of Joshua to conquer relied on the spiritual warfare in quote now of the Levitical order. Are you see that? Now it's making me see so many things at this moment. You want to take it to our nation, you want to take it to any system, that is where we cannot undermine the spiritual input in every system. If it has to succeed, because the spirit truly guides the natural or rules the natural, that is why. Even in a family, we need more people that will pray for the leadership of that family. Pray for the fathers of that family. We need more people. Such people should be enlisting into the spiritual warfare to cause the advancement of the leadership of that house, that church. That nation to move forward, are we together? Help me, Lord. Thank you. Okay, let me go on a little bit. Just seeing some things now as I'm talking. Okay, now praise the Lord. Okay. Now this warfare actually speaks of their duty in the temple. I'm not if you remember that it is their duty in the temple that is being referred to as was warfare. Did you get that? Okay. Meaning the warfare is in two ways: protecting the sanctity of the temple as it relates to God's worship and the ability to keep themselves holy in performing their duties in the temple. Two ways. For you to be divided, right, there are things that you are not involved in and you cannot be involved in. Am I right? Most of them are Nazareth. And to take the vow of Nazareth means that you can't even touch a dead corpse and all of that. These are still Levitical principles and concepts. Right. And now, they were to guide the, the temple by implication. The taker of the ark, they take care of the taker of the, the stakes, the cuttings, and all of those things. It was their responsibility. And you know, nobody was qualified to do that but just the Levites. And again, you find that because of what they do, God's presence comes, and when the time God's presence comes, Israel moves. By implication, their services, which has to do with the warfare, determines the movement of the church at any point in time. The whole geographical political setup of Israel depended on the warfare of the Levitical priesthood. Because if they don't preach the tent and the glory comes, then there are no God around them or with them. And if God speaks to them to move, even without the Levi going to take away the stakes, they can't move. The heart must always be on the front, as the case must be. The glory can only come when things are in order. You see what I mean by that? The glory can only show up when things are in order. And it was in the hands of the Levi to have this done. That is how important this is, what I'm talking to you tonight. So even if we need to shape our nation, even if we need to bring the glory of God into our nation, as the case may be, it's resting squarely upon the Levites. It's resting heavily upon the Levites. But unfortunately, this is what even the Levites do not know. The warfare is not necessarily becoming a politician, I'm sorry to say. Now, I'm not against that. But for the political offering to move forward, the Levite have to carry on their warfare with accuracy and precision behind the sin. And then the glory of God comes, and then we're gonna get results. Hallelujah. So two major areas, warfare. How do I maintain my sanctity as a priest, as a Levite? How do I? You see, very important, amen? You know, there were two sons, I've forgotten these guys, who offer a holy fire, you know, and the fire consumed them. Why? Because they were not in a position to do that. Okay. So, the temple and then the people that worship in the temple. Two areas of warfare. So, if it it's a two-way warfare, protection of the temple, and the priesthood performing their duties free from corruption. Now, you know, we have a corrupt priesthood, I think, Ezekiel. That has to do with the Zadok, the Zadok priesthood and the Levitical priesthood. Remember that? Yeah. The Zadokian priesthood could move into the most holy place. could God. But we are told that God was saying that the remaining priesthood, which had to do with Levitical priesthood, were not in the the very... A form of the Zeracan priesthood, he said they can perform the sacrifices and the services outside. They were not permitted to go in, but that's a very big place and a dangerous place to be. You can be outside, have fellowship with so many people, but the truth is, you do not have anything that God has for the people to communicate to them because you will never see the face of God. Just like what we read about Absalom being in Jerusalem for how many years? Two years without seeing the face of David. So you can be a priest ministering to the people, energizing the people if you will, leading the people on if you will, but not from the mind of God. You can be doing all the sacrifices and most often the sacrifices you offer, they end up in the outer courts. Now God doesn't speak in the outer court, he speaks in the most holy place. Are we together? I'm laying foundation for the armor of God. I'm sure you will like this. Now as I'm speaking, I'm speaking to every person. I'm not talking about gender situation now. But as long as you belong to a royal priesthood, I'm talking to you. Amen? So, just like I said, we must not forget if We're a royal priesthood. Is that okay? Royal priesthood, in relation to The nations and again in relation to the fact that we're a priest because Israel as a whole was a priest but within the priesthood of Israel in relation to the nation there was a Levitical priesthood. Is that okay? Right. So we are in the world but we are not of this world. We are priests. The royal priesthood in this world. The whole church body, the body of Christ is a royal priesthood. Right? because Israel as a nation was a priest unto the rest of the nation so the entire body of Christ universally is a royal priesthood it's not just an individual thing but the point is within this setting of a body you belong there so you are priest. we need this body is that okay what makes you a priest is because you belong to a royal priesthood stood again in says sense so because you can minister to the rest of creation. Because it required the priest to bring the sacrifices of the people before God. So your standing in relation to other nations brings them in to God accepting their sacrifices. Thank you, Lord. You know what? To whom sins you forgive, they are forgiven. And to whom you retain, They are retained. What does that mean? He was your message. Announcement of Christ. Christ accept that individual. He becomes a sacrifice. hallelujah Can we go on? So, looking at verse twelve of that Ephesians six. I would like us to look at verse 11. And that's the very, very significant to me. So there's something very, very significant for us to note in verse 11. Look at what it says. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, I want you to get the direction. I want you to get the direction. I want you to get the reason, and I want you to get the purpose for the whole armor. Do you follow what I'm talking about? What is the armor meant for? That's what Paul is trying to tell us here. Get this armor so that you can do this. Hmm. Now, the direction of the armor, his purpose, or the armor's purposes, The admonition of Paul himself here is that we may be able to overcome the wives of the devil. I want us to see how simple this is. The way Paul puts it. If you choose to have this armor for something else, it is not based on the instruction of Apostle Paul. Then watch this. The armor is for you to overcome the wires or the tricks of the devil. That means the whole armor is meant for your own use. It's not necessarily an attacking instrument. Does that make sense? No pistol is, is involved in this. In the whole armor of God, there is no arrow, no gun. Did you notice that? <laughs> the closest thing you can think about which is supposed to be something you use outside or supposed to be the word of God, which is the sword of the Spirit. But there is no arrow. No gun. So all those... Brrr, no, 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 no. It's not involved in the armor. <laughs> on the whole armor of God that you may be able, you, you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Not the arrows of the devil. Not the bullets of the devil. Am I talking to somebody? The wiles of the devil. Now you see, you may be thinking about the bullets and you are just being fooled by the wiles of the devil. I mean that's The problem. What he's using on you is completely different. So you can defend yourself. But he's just robbing you of your glory because of ignorance, and yet you are there thinking you want to defend some bullets and some swords and some arrows and whatever. No! The armor is simply a protection. Hallelujah. Now, why is it a protection? Don't forget what happened to the Levites. It was a protection of both their own sanctity in terms of holy worship and then the tabernacle itself in terms of God's presence and holy worship. So, what was the warfare made? Defending the holiness of God. Did you get that? So, what is your warfare in? Defending all that you are in relation to holiness when it comes to presenting your body as what? Living sacrifice. Hallelujah. Now, let's look at this word, the wise of the devil. You have all of these Hebrew, I mean, Greek words there. your de Tab, no, Diabolo, or whatever the case may be. It's simply the method, the word, the wise of the devil, simply means when you say the wise of the devil, means this method of the devil, the different means, the plans, the schemes, the machinations. Which he uses to deceive, entrap, enslave, and ruin the souls of men. A man's method of sinning is Satan's method of ruining his soul. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Now, the devil is not attacking you in any way. He's just giving suggestions to your life. <laughs> Hallelujah! <laughs> He just brings suggestions to your life. it just makes you feel well. You can do what God not really have not ordained you to do. Look at what he tells Jesus. Hey, if you be the Son of God, cast yourself down from this pinnacle. He he wanted him to do what God said he shouldn't do, what God had not even instructed that he should do. Is anybody catching this? So when we talk about the wives of the devil, we're talking about the tricks. the devil the methods of the devil the schemes of the devil the machinations plans of the devil he doesn't have power people he has tricks can I animate to that (laughs) the devil have no power Hmm? he's got tricks the armor is against the tricks of the devil understand this. And you're going to receive a whole lot of freedom into your spirit mind. Hallelujah. Amen. You'll be able to say, no, 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 no. You got begin to say no to certain things once you know. I, I was counseling with, with some couple a few days ago and that's a question. is a common question I used to ask. You said this to your husband say, and you, you, you said this to your wife and you said yes, man. No. If you were to be Jesus, would Jesus say this to the church? And he says, "No." I said, "I just—you are just like Jesus to her. Just like the church is a wife to Jesus. So, if you can maintain it from that perspective, this trouble will not be there. And that is the truth. And I got another simple illustration of of a man, supposedly a bishop, as well." Oh, the wife did something. I said, look, you're acting like an illiterate. And they is a graduate anyway. And I said, well, Daddy, thank you. With all my illiteracy, God has made you who you are. And I'm glad that an illiterate is connected to the man that is glorious. Thank you, Daddy. The man could have nothing else to say. Bible says, Don't let your good be overcome with what evil tricks of the devil, just tricks is what he uses. Now, these two persons that I was working on, and I believe God, they're, they're back, it was almost gone. But very minor things, very, very minor things. What breaks families is very minor. Things that can easily be overlooked. Hmm? Listen to this. Husband returned from work. There was a report that the toilet is bad. And the husband's feeling, hey, I don't want my family to go through this kind of a mess. He hasn't even entered. He was away for about two weeks. Right by the gate, he drops his bag, Say, take them in. He wants to go and fix the toilet. And then when he finally walked in, he asked her, can you please pick my shoe? And he said, you have returned with all your message sending. Now think about it. And this thing blew this mind for two good days. He said, with all my love for this woman, with all my intention to keep this family going, she can't just speak, they all respond this, I have returned again with my sending of messages. I mean, it's, I can't understand. I mean, I just looked at this and I said, Sister, look, do you think you, he said, but I was joking. I said, how do you know he sank in as a joke? If you were joking, did you pick the shoe? He said, no. How do we say you were joking? as said, can you beg your husband? Say if he's trying to accept me, I said, yeah, she'll accept you. We are standing here. And then she nailed at me. And the guy was like, come on, rob your baby, what's wrong with you? <laughs> it was sorted out. Little things. You leave all of that, of just coming and talking together and saying, baby, what you did is wrong, or my darling, what you did is wrong to me. You just go on next thing you call family, next thing you call three people. You know, before you know it, this is expanding, you don't talk to each other anymore. The next thing, I don't think I need this woman anymore, I don't think I need this man anymore. It's finished. He started from pick my shoe. Are ah, you get what I'm talking about? Tricks of the enemy, words of the enemy. We live all these and we are shooting bullets and doing all night. <laughs> Can't you even understand why the Lord said, "If you want to pray and you remember, that is it. You are just applying the ammo." Praise the living God. God is going to help us. See, if we go by the word of God, we can have a very peaceful atmosphere, peaceful community, peaceful homes. We can have it. I believe it. We can have it. We only wrongly applying the word and trying to become muscle-fitted people, going to gym. Eh? That's not going to solve the problem. Because it's not by might and not by power. it says simply by my spirit. And the next thing that goes, I believe, with the spirit is wisdom. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Okay. Now, let's look at something. The wives of the devil. Get on the Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. I want you to see these schemes, the tricks, and all of those things that the devil is trying to use to rob you of your peace, rob you of your glory. And then the next thing you're going to do spiritual warfare. Oh, no, no, no. Understand what spiritual warfare means. There's an overcoming. The prince of the world cometh and he shall find nothing in me. No common ground for reasoning. Praise God. Ephesians 4, are you there with me? The Bible says here, what I mean, Ephesians 4 tells us the method as well. That's, I'm talking about the method Satan uses it, which is the wives and the tricks now. That we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men, and cunning word craftiness. The word craftiness is the same thing as wives, whereby they lie in way to deceive. So we can see that the method the devil uses is through men in religious craftiness. Hallelujah. <laughs> Remember he's saying, put off the whole armor that you should stand, now that somebody will stand for you. No. Am I right? No. If your armor is down, nobody can stand for you. Nobody can even wear them for you. Oh yes, because even David could not use the armors of Saul. <laughs> Praise God. So from here we can see the various acts and methods that are being used. Both by the Greek philosophers and the Judaizers, teachers to render the gospel of non-effect, or to adulterate and corrupt it. Here in Ephesians 4, these are collaborators with the devil's schemes. To teach things that are not Truly doctrina, What I mean, doctrina, True doctrine that I'm I mean, assessment free, they are not being taught by a lot of us. So we are collaborators. Listen to me. Instead of becoming ministers of God, we are actually ministers of Satan. By the doctrines we teach, by the messages we carry. What sets people free, we don't preach that. It's what kept people in bondage, that's what we preach. What can make people become who God intended them to be, we don't talk about that. Well, you see, motivational speakers, I think they are, they are trained. But I think they have a better presentation than so many of us ministers of God. In the sense that they make you see your purpose in life, they make you see how you can get into your purpose. Am I talking to somebody? Yeah, they give you some freedom. They make you exercise yourself. And about those in the household of it. No, 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 no. You don't even have anything to stand for yourself with. You don't have it. It has to be them. They have to be at the center before you can even cough. Even cough. You are not permitted until you take permission. It's as serious as that. Now, why was Paul writing this? You find that after he has been able to set a standard of the Christ Spirit and relieve the people from the bondage of the, of the law, some other people came in to start teaching a reviser. Are you following what I'm talking about? It's bringing the people back again to their old life. Not to start all about, to be locked up there that they can never experience the freedom that is in Christ. The Greek philosophers will come in and begin to teach from the perspective of Plato and Socrates. And so, most often you find that the Christians in Corinth, they were confused people. The Greeks was bombarding them. The Judaizers were bombarding them. They were confused people. Hallelujah. That's why Paul was writing all of these letters. So he wrote to Corinthian church, he wrote to the Ephesians church. The same mindset that he had. So you can't be talking about the armor of God and be looking at that enemy to shoot. No. And the enemy doesn't even come with anything. They come with ideas. They come with information. They come with philosophy. That is what is destroying your life. That is what the armor is all against. That is what the armor can help you to overcome. Ideas, philosophies, opinion, culture. Hallelujah. <sighs> now, I can boldly tell you that a the fight, therefore, is against all methods that can render the gospel of Christ of non effect even in our lives. Can I hear any to that? That's the warfare. Either by the word of human ideology, tradition, philosophy, even education as an intellectual mechanism that obstructs the flow of Christ's life through his word. That he delivered to us in form of strong goals. Even education. Does that surprise you? That you know so much about the natural That the word of God cannot have effect in your life. Your education stands against the flow of God's spirit. You should be able to make a difference. Of that which is natural and that which is spiritual. Hallelujah. You know the most difficult people to convince about spiritual things are. Most often, medical people. Flora is just looking at me. Sorry, I'm not talking to you. <laughs> but it's a most difficult thing. Why? Because it's always interfering with their knowledge about medicine. They know how to add this, and then the cure will come. You see what I'm talking about? But when you tell them by faith, they will say yes. But God also make us to know the medicine. So there is always a warfare. Your education interferes with what God is saying. Hmm? Are you following what I'm talking about? Very important you know this. This is where your warfare is. How can I totally submit to that what God is saying? That's a problem. That is the real warfare, and God has provided His armor for you to be able to stand. So, when we go into the armor, you're going to find some exciting things: your education, your background, your culture. The enemy uses all these to keep you from receiving what God has given to you. Oh, in our place, we don't do it this way. Hmm. Yeah. Now, is every culture bad? Not at all. (laughs) Because there are some cultures in Israel that God did not tamper with. So not all cultures are bad. Even in your own environment, not all cultures are bad. Respecting an old man is a good culture and it's universal. So don't tell me, but you know I came from here. No, 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 no. It must harmonize. It is still one mind, one spirit. He said, the Gentiles who have not the law, but do those things that are by the law in their conscience. That means the law of God is written in our hearts. Whether you carry the Bible or not, you know what is good. Am I right? <sighs> so I want you to know the fight. It's against anything that will render the gospel of Christ of non effect in our lives. That is the real warfare. Amen? So the whole of Ephesians 6, as I'm going to be dealing with it, has to do with you as an individual. Don't look outside of you to apply those i and don't be looking at some arrows. Well, I want to think about the arrows, I'll make you see what the are. The arrows are subtle suggestions that will make you feel God is not as important as it should be. Those are the arrows. And how do you reverse those arrows? It's not by a sticker return to sender. No, it's by the hermit of salvation. Did you get that? Return to sender will not return the arrow because a word that you have heard can take root in your life. Even if you are saying return to sender, the thing is working there. Am I correct? You receive an insult. What are you going to return to sender? Are you returning the insult to the sender? I mean, this is, this is where religion has brought us into. We, we should understand these things. Because your mind, you return to sender, I means there are some things that are coming, you know. Dangerous weapon from the realm of spirit to kill you. But what kills you is just simple words you hear. Subtle words that can take you out of God's covering, out of His protection. That's in that makes you to disbelieve what oh God has spoken. Even about your life. Even precious. In difficult times. Even God, when God has spoken expressly, I'm going to make something glorious out of your life. And here you are. With terrible times. Difficulties. No money. Can you still stand on that word? Hallelujah. Let's see if I can finish this part one today. Second Corinthians 11. But are you following me so far? <laughs> Second Corinthians 11, I'll look at verse 1 to 5. I would to God that could bear with me a little in my folly, and indeed bear with me. For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Hmm. You know what a chaste virgin means. You can take time to read. Thank you, Lord. You take time to read Revelation fourteen, and then read James 1.8. Those who were one forty four thousand who were with the Lamb of My Zion. The Bible said they were virgins and first fruits. Unto the Lamb. I remember the parable of the ten virgins. Is that okay? Those who went to go and buy oil, they went to look standing outside of Christ. Oil means enlightenment and understanding. Huh? Now Paul said, "I just want you to know nothing except Christ." That's what he's saying. Don't, don't receive any of these teachings. That's what Paul is trying to say. I present you as a chaste virgin. In other words, be sufficient, concentrate, satisfied with what Christ presents to you. Through me. Do you understand what he's saying here? The trouble that Paul is fighting here is the Judaizers and the Greek philosophers. Three say, but I bear, I fear, lest by enemies. As the serpent begat Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Can you see it now? Hey, did you, did you see that there? Yeah. What was happening in the garden? Beautiful place, excitement moment, joy, Aye. peace, and everything you can ever imagine was right in the garden, and the devil just came I and mean, said, no, you no. Know. No, 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 no. He tells you where the devil speaks to. He tells you where the devil walks from. Where does he walk from? Your mind. Your mind. Keep your heart, your mind, with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. What it means is life flows from your heart. Now, it's not the biological hearts. Hallelujah. So, where does the devil attack? No, think about it. The devil did not attack him. I mean, attack. Eve physically, but can you see? Help me, Lord. Can you see that as long as the heart of these corpus were corrupted, they lost control of dominion, they lost control of wealth they lost control of peace, they lost control of joy. That was in that garden. Am I right, somebody? What was the root of their missing everything? The hearts, their mind. So, how do you retain dominion? Your mind. Help me, Father. Is anybody hearing this? Your mind is corrupted. You lose everything. Everything. Oh, God, help me. I wish you can see this. Everything that was in the garden got lost. God's presence got lost because something was injected into the mind of one being in the garden. So, you, there is nothing you can't lose in this world just through your mind. There's nothing. Call it wealth, call it dominion, call it relationship, call it marriage, call it anything. Just name it. You can miss it through your mind. Just one thing. And so that's where the devil walks in. He walks in your mind. So, what we're looking at is what can able you weave off? Hallelujah. Those things that are coming to your mind. How can you wear it? How can you process it? How can you purify those things that are contrary to the thoughts of Christ? How can you purify it? That has a warfare. Hallelujah. Verse 4. For if he that cometh preach another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if you receive another spirit which you have not received, or another gospel which you have not accepted, you might well bear with them or bear with him. You know the word you are taking in anything from anybody anything from anybody any story given to you you accept it any doctrine that comes you accept it oh my god see what was Ephesians for that you may not be tossed to and fro that means there's a possibility of being tossed to and fro hallelujah let me read this from the living Bible it says I hope you will be be patient with me as I keep on talking like a fool yeah because you know why after I've spoken to you you find that somebody has come that is more intelligent so me who spoke to you first I'm a fool I have no understanding those who have come now they have better understanding than me. So Paul said, just bear with me. Let me see, keep talking like a fool. Do bear with me and let me say what is on my, on my heart. I'm anxious for you with the deep concern of God himself. I'm sure that your love should be for Christ alone. Just as a pure maiden saves her life for one man only. For the one who will be her husband. But I'm frightened, fearing that in some way you'll be led away from your pure and simple devotion to our Lord. Hallelujah. Just as Eve was deceived by Satan in the garden of Eden, you seem so gullible. You believe whatever anyone tells you, even if he's preaching another Jesus than the one we preach, or a different spirit than the Holy Spirit to receive, or shows you a different way to be saved. You swallow it all. This is the issue. You take all manner of things, and Christians are still in this place today. They are still in this place today. Hallelujah. (laughs) Oh my God. I wish we can. I wish we can. God, I just pray God would definitely help us. Verse 5 says, Yes, I don't fear that this mess marvelous messengers from god as they call themselves are any better than i am if i'm a poor speaker at least i know what i'm talking about as i think you realize by now for we have proved it again and again if you think some people are superstars (laughs) maybe by the kind of credentials they carry but what does it really mean if a superstar comes in and you are not transformed from who you are to another by reason of your faith, your strength, your confidence. Remember, after you put on the whole armor, that, you may stand. That is the key thing. Ability to stand in times of trouble. At any point in time. In order to stand in the face, stand in what you believe, stand in what you are convinced the Lord has spoken to you. Hallelujah. So, <laughs> Who are these people in the true sense? Who is this? Oh, help me! Can you see? Just like you have messengers of Jesus, we also have messengers of Satan. Now, messengers of Satan are not necessarily those who are in the occult world. Huh? They are men who brings another gospel that does not give the centrality of Christ to make you stand as his apostle or disciple in the true sense. Where the centrality of Christ is taken away from a message. That person is a messenger of Satan. Carrying the Bible doesn't qualify you to be a messenger of God. Hallelujah. Are you getting this? The whole fight that Paul was fighting were ministers who were ministering something contrary to the liberty and the freedom. That Paul had given to the Corinthian church and the Ephesians church we have same today but I only pray that God will give you grace Amen. that through these studies by the time we should be true you will not only stand but you will stand